man, when I was little and, and your dad or, um, you know, my dad, I had a brother-in-law and, and, uh, family members, they were my heroes and who I aspired to be like, I, I tell you what, 20, 25 years later, I'm just now learning things about my dad and stuff that he was going through at the time and understanding where he was at and some of the, the insane challenges he was overcoming that I had no idea about at the time. And, and so, so we're these little boys looking in the mirror and, and we have this idea of who we're going to be. And then we start to grow into that and it's, it's not who we are. And, and wait, wait a minute. I don't want to go back to that mirror. I don't want to look in the mirror because last time I saw a hero. Welcome to the show. I'm Joe Horton. On the Guild of Dads show, we unwrap weekly the incredible stories, skills, and expertise of the world's most captivating dads and experts, along with topics and stories that will captivate you and impact your life. If you're an existing listener, then thanks for your ongoing support of the show on a weekly basis. And if you're a new listener, thanks for discovering us. Hopefully, what we talk about on here resonates with you. I appreciate you dads tuning in and getting behind the podcast. It spurs me on, motivates me, and inspires me to forge ahead with Guild of Dads and help as many dads as I can through the conversations we have and the community that surrounds the movement. Reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, and also there is a free Facebook group which you can check out, which is growing in number and some interesting discussions going on over there. We have fascinating individuals, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs, ultra-athletes, and ordinary dads just like you, professors, anthropologists, and they're all doing some extraordinary and impactful things and impacting the world in some amazing ways. So what happens on Guild of Dads? I want to have conversations with men and dads and experts to transfer their practical knowledge, insight and expertise so that you can apply it to improve your physical health, mental health, relationships, career and the way you show up in the world as a role model to the next generation. Important conversations because the world is shifting so fast right now and getting clarity on a lot of this stuff means you can make an impact on yourself and those around you. So what's today's episode about? Today I'm talking about how you can apply business skills to being a dad and leading your family while consuming yourself in the need to provide financially as the only priority can be damaging and also the realisation that one dad had that real men don't run away. We talk about how our own fathers can be a reference point for how we show up in life and why male pride can get in the way of admitting you don't know the answer to things. In addition to this, we discuss how daily action in developing all areas of your life is very important. Today, I speak to businessman, podcaster, best-selling author and family leadership coach, Joe Pomeroy. Having built an eight-figure company and earning his MBA, Joe's world came to an abrupt end when his marriage got into difficulties, culminating in his wife heading for the door. He went from this to having a confident, committed and connected relationship and now he's committed to helping other dads and husbands learn how to use those principles to be more confident in their role. Joe helps business-minded men discover the new way to become the husbands and dads they once promised to be. Now, if you ever wonder how some of my amazing guests just like Joe get to where they are in life, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, those making a massive impact on the world, I can tell you that pretty much all of them follow a very deliberate plan or system of some kind. This is exactly what I do too, 
and I'm revealing how you can implement a plan and system in your own life completely free in my ebook, The Dad Blueprint, over at guildofdads.com forward slash dad, and that's capital dad, D-A-D. Incidentally, many of the people I interview on the show will be leveraging the power of similar systems to radically level up their lives and transform into the men and dads they always wanted to be. So you'll be in amazing company. And now, to my conversation with Joe Pomeroy. Joe, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much for joining me today, Joe. Before I kind of get into the discussion of what we're going to talk about today, who is Joe Pomeroy to the listeners? Man, I'd have to say the first thing that comes to mind is, is a father. Uh, father, husband, uh, entrepreneur, friend, uh, follower of Christ, um, sports fan. Yeah, I a whole a whole lot of different things, but it feels like all of it comes together, and it's rooted in in being a father, being a husband, and so I, it's part of why I'm so excited to be here on Guild of Dads and and be able to connect with your listeners and have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is so much of this stuff, like we said before we came on air, so much of this stuff kind of crisscrosses and, 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 and weaves into each other as part of the kind of general fabric of being a dad, being a man, uh, being a kind of leader, being a business owner. A lot of these kind of skills and attributes and characteristics are very much interchangeable. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a fascinating conversation on these aspects. Um, before we kind of delve into it, you obviously arrived at a point in your life whereby you needed to make some changes in relation to how you uh, interacted with your family as a, as, as a dad and as a husband and reached a point where something kind of wasn't working. And I wonder whether you could share with me what, what that kind of turning point or... Um, where your kind of epiphany came, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, frankly, it's, it's a story that I'm not proud of. It's an embarrassing story, but I've, you know, being a fan of your show and listening to your episodes, I know that you're very vulnerable and open with, uh, your listeners. And so, so I'm just going to trust, you know, trust you as we're having this conversation. I'm just going to share what it is and, and we learn from it. That's what we do. Right. So uh, my wife and I, we've been married for a few years and life was good. And I, I was starting up a, a helping, I was in a prime leadership position in business that was, uh, would eventually be an eight figure business. And that was going good. And, and I tell you what, before I got married, I thought I was an amazing communicator. And then I got married and realized I had no idea what I was doing. And, and it was, it was frustrating. It was confusing because work was easy. I'd go to work and I mean, that's what I went to school for. I, I had a, a, a degree in marketing, a master's in strategic development. Like that's, that's what came natural or at least that's what it felt like. And so how can I go to work and I've got colleagues that love me. I've got clients that praise me. And then I come home and I don't know how to communicate with my wife and I don't understand what's going on or why she's frustrated with X, Y, Z. And so, you know what? I did what men are supposed to do. I dove into work. I'm going to be a solid provider. I'm going to focus on that. Let my wife take care of the home. Everything will be great until it wasn't. And there was one night my wife and I, we were having an argument 
that's something stupid. Uh, the details of it kind of escaped me. I'm sure if I thought about it long enough, I'd remember. But the the disagreement grew and grew and grew until my wife said something that just triggered me, and I threw a full blown man tantrum. And I uh, I started kicking in this cupboard door uh, upstairs with with my foot, and I just and my wife had already walked by me, and she was headed downstairs. She was going to get her car keys, and and she was grabbing her stuff, head out the door. And I'm kicking in this foot and I'm bashing it with my toes, with my heel, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm just going full on football on it. And uh, at your football, not American football. Let's, let's be honest about the real football here. <laughs> um, and once the, the door's destroyed and the adrenaline drops, the next thing I feel is this rush of pain. And I look down and I've got a chunk of wood poking out of my heel. And I'm like, oh, stupid. What am I doing? And, and I'm thinking I can hear my wife. She's almost to the door. She's gathered her stuff. She's almost to the door. And I'm trying to pull this wood out and I can't reach it. I'm just flustered and frustrated. And at this brief moment, as I hear the door open, I know I have a choice I must make. I can ask for help or I can let her walk out the door. And I couldn't do what I needed to do on my own. And there's a lot that happened in that split second. But ultimately, I did ask for help, and it came out ugly. There was nothing smooth about what I said. It was like, "Oh, please wait, just uh, help." Like it was, it came out ugly, but that's okay uh, because I did what I needed to do. And and to to my wife's credit, she stopped and she closed the door. She set her stuff down and she came up and helped me. That was that turning point, and I realized real men don't run away. Mm. They don't hide at work. They don't hide doing what's easy. They don't give up if something doesn't feel natural. And I then spent the next eight plus years diving deep into how to be a better husband, how to be a better human being, how to be a better man. And through all of that, I began to see the connections of what I knew about business and what I was learning about being a better husband and dad. Mm, interesting. And the thing is, I think that a lot of guys, I see a pattern emerging and many of the men and dads I speak to reach this kind of epiphany and it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a leveler and, and it can be a number of different things. It can be, it can be a relationship issue that brings it to a head or it can be, you know, illness or it can be a bereavement or something there's just something it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back and everything kind of hang on a minute and i and i and i kind of call it when i'm when i'm talking to guys that follow me and on my group i call it confronting the man in the mirror and it's that yeah it's that kind of man that we kind of that we know that we kind of that we could be then we know that we should be but that we kind of inherently turn away and run away from it because it's painful to kind of face that guy down and actually say because it means actually ex ex you know accepting your faults accepting your shortcomings and actually having the humility to actually turn and say right don't like what, yeah. what i see here and i've got to make some changes here and i did funny enough i did a post on this on my social media this week um and it was entitled what dad are you and, and and the reason behind that was that I, I'm on a few different kind of dad's Facebook groups and I was beginning to see certain characteristics. One of them was the kind of what I would call the joker. So he kind of, he makes fun of like someone will ask a very serious question. 
and he makes fun of it because he can see in himself the characteristics of the person that's asking the question. And it's kind of like holding a mirror up to someone's soul. They don't like it, so they kind of run away from it. And so yeah. I think your your experience is is strikes at the heart of what that man in the mirror concept is really. You know what I love about that? And it it made me think of um it, it's some kind of image or a meme or something. And and it's the little boy standing in front of the mirror. He's got his he's got the you know the the blanket tied around his neck for a cape and he has his hands on his hips and what he sees in the mirror is like this superhero. And I wonder if that's part of the problem as we get older and as as we turn into men and dads is man, when I was little and and your dad or um, you know, my dad, I had a brother-in-law and, and uh, family members, they were my heroes and uh, who I aspired to be like, I, I tell you what, 20, 25 years later, I'm just now learning things about my dad and stuff that he was going through at the time and understanding where he was at and some of the, the insane challenges he was overcoming that I had no idea about at the time. And, and so so we're these little boys looking in the mirror and, and we have this idea of who we're going to be. And then we start to grow into that and it's, it's not who we are. Mm-hmm. And, that, and wait, wait a minute, I don't want to go back to that mirror. I don't want to look in the mirror because last time I saw a hero, I saw the super dad I was going to be. I saw the, the super husband I was going to be. And if I go check again and I don't see that, what does that mean about what I've done with the last X number of years of my life? And so we don't we don't go back to the mirror mm-hmm. with your analogy and and man that that's the lie is that if if you go to the mirror looking for who you thought you'd be when you were a little boy then you're you're missing the opportunity in in who you are today as a man. Mm, yeah. And I think the thing is is I think for many many men and this is a kind of the crisis as I see it at the minute is that there is is that is the pain of kind of avoiding and running and that constant running away is is, is that old, I think there's an old uh, proverb, I think it is about feeding the right wolf. And I think the, I think it's mm. the, and, and I think it's the grandparent maybe turns, says to the son and, and it's, and it's, 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 it's feeding the right wolf. And I think the, the, I think the, the, the challenge for a lot of men right now is, is that they, stare in the mirror and they think oh that's the guy i could become that's the guy i want to become but i'm gonna have to go through a bit of an uncomfortable and painful journey to to start going on that journey that that kind of inner journey so what i'll do is i will just i will live in perpetual discomfort avoiding and running away from it sort of thing and it's a it's a very abstract thing to for, for guys to get their head around but i think it it's it's at the heart of a lot of the things we see around Kind of mental health, um, meaning, purpose, um, accomplishment, joy—all of these kind of um, very positive emotions, but that which I think are lacking from the modern male male psyche in a lot of respects, because we place so much emphasis on external things and the haves and the shoulds and the wants over yeah. and above these kind of deep sort of uh, spiritual things. I would say. Yeah. You know, I like that you described it as an abstract thing because I, I, there's these ideas, these concepts that are right in front of us that if we could just grab hold of them, 
then they're this powerful catalyst that's just going to propel us forward. But everything's abstract. Everything's fuzzy. We're not quite sure how to grasp that. And, you know, I said, I thought it was a good communicator. And then I got married and realized I wasn't. I've realized since then, what I am great at is translating. And if we can look to a different area of our life and something that feels concrete, something that makes sense, that isn't abstract, and we can then translate translate that into what we need to be able to propel forward in a new area of our life, that's helpful. And so with what you were just talking about, I was thinking about, you, ha- you had a great episode recently with, with uh, Zuby, and he talked about tolerance versus cowardice. Hmm. And how tolerance is rooted in maturity and empathy, but cowardice is rooted in fear. And it really struck home with me because it it took me back to to just a few months ago when the the U.S. election results and the things that were taking place and and, uh, pick an election. If you loved the 2020 election and hated the 2016, fine, look at that one and related. And, and, you know, I, I have no arrogance or assumption that Brit's give a, a flying blankety blank about American elections. Okay. So <laughs> whatever it happens to be, but for me, I was really stressing out about what was going on. And I thought, man, everything is taking towards this very, um, this very liberal, this very, uh, contradictory format. And I thought, man, the, the world that's being created that I'm going to have to raise my kids in. And I was feeling really down about it. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I was like, why does it bother me so much? What happens in an election? Like how many elections have I lived through and, and what changes and what doesn't like, why is this bothering me so bad? And, um, I was able to realize that, that really what it came down to is that I am the leader of my home and I've been given a stewardship over my kids. And there's a, a lot of joy, opportunity, responsibility that comes from, from being a, a partner, a husband with my spouse and more so in my children and how I'm going to lead them and guide them and help them develop into amazing human beings. And the problem is the further away from my value system or the further away from what is at my core of who I want to be and how I want to raise my kids, the further the outside world gets from that, the more responsibility it puts on me as a dad, the less assistance I get outside of me, the heavier the weight to carry inside my home. And so now, and, and you talk about the wolves and there's these, you know, the, the, the proverb of the two wolves and, and one's good and one's, one's evil and which one wins and it's whichever one you feed, right? That's, that's the, the moral of it that you're getting to whichever one you feed. And so I can have tolerance and empathy, uh, tolerance, maturity, empathy, and how I view myself. I'm, there are days that I, I'm always a good dad because of who I am, but there are days I make terrible choices. <laughs> there are days I really muck it up. And I, and there, there are days where my kids put me in timeout because dad made a bad choice. And when I take a breath, I go, you know what? Dad made a bad choice. I think, what do you, you know, do I need to go to timeout? What do you think needs to happen? And then my kids, I, I have a seven, five and a three-year-old in the, uh, you need to go to timeout, dad. And so I go sit and time out. And so 
there, you know, but that's recognizing that I'm not going to be perfect. I'm, I'm going to have challenges. I'm going to mess it up, but I'm going to get back up again. And if I have maturity and empathy, if I have real tolerance for me, then I don't have to be afraid of what's going on outside my home. Mm. And by the way, Joe, if I don't have tolerance for my imperfections, how will I ever have tolerance for my spouse's imperfections or for, for your, another fellow human being for your imperfections? Mm. I mean, it starts with what's going on inside with us to what you said, to your point, the man in the mirror and taking a look at that. It starts there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing is as well, the powerful thing to take away from that is that you're, you know, I think it's good for your kids to see you make mistakes. And I think it's good for your kids to see you come back from mistakes in a kind of healthy way. What I, what is difficult is when you kind of flip out over mistakes. And, and again, the analogy that I use on this is like, a, and this is, this is really applicable to mental health and it's what I call bounce back ability. So like if you're, if you fall over on ice or you fall over or you trip over and you graze your knee, you don't lay on the floor for six months saying that you've grazed your knee and that you can't get up. You get up, you dust yourself off uh, and you, and you keep on going. And I think that, I think there's a lot of value in the using that analogy for mistakes uh, for if you've had a mental setback of some, you know, if, if you've had a bad day or you've had a bad week or you've had a number of setbacks, it's that bounce ability is that ability to just, to just get back off up off the proverbial floor and dust yourself off and, and keep on going and fight another day. And I think, I think that the the ability to do that is holds a lot of value in terms of, in terms of your your children seeing you do that, because in the future they are going to have to experience setbacks and they're going to have to experience difficulties and they're going to have to experience things that aren't going to plan. And if they remember back to when they're growing up, they're like, "Oh, what did that? What happened with Dad when he was going through a, through a tough time? Oh, he bounced back from it and he kind of learned from it and he worked out how he could apply what he'd learned going forward. So that's what I'm going to do." Um, and, and that's how I'm going to teach my kids to kind of bounce back from stuff. So this goes into, I love the idea with parenting that stuff's intergenerational in the sense that we learn stuff from our parents that some of it we want to unlearn or tweak (laughs) or change, but also what we do has a knock on effect to our kids and also our grandkids as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the challenges is, is that, uh, I had one example of how to be a dad throughout my life. And it was my dad. And so that example, whatever he did, however he handled situations, I mean, that's what my example was. So that's what I learned. Well, and then you get TV shows and you get the ideal dad on, you know, whatever sitcom that's going on. And he's always there and he's always home when he should be. And he's always funny and he's always in a good mood. And, and, um, you know, and so there's these, but also lovably useless generally as well (laughs) yes yes Uh, the butt of most of the jokes right Uh, and so then then when I became a dad and as a husband it's like okay my only reference is to what my dad did and what I how I saw him as be a dad and be a husband 
And if I don't like something, or if there is something generational I want to change, where in the world am I supposed to get that information? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to just magically make it up on my own? I mean, tell me the, the first time, you know, somebody's getting involved in sports, a young boys getting on, on in sports, you just give them a ball and send them out in the field and say, all right, there you go. Go get it done. Like we don't do that. There has to be a model to follow, but it, where do we find the time? Where do we find the time as, as working men and, and trying to, you know, we can't even find time for ourselves to recharge sometimes. And so where do we get that information from? Where's the model to follow to help us be better dads when there's things about our original model, our original generational model that we want to tweak, we want to adjust, we want to improve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think on that point as well, you've got, you've got like a a perfect storm happening right now in the sense that you've got the, you know, what has happened kind of for our parents' generations in terms of, you know, how we raise kids and how we set, yeah, and how we set ourselves as a kind of role model, if you like. Um, But, but also you've got, so, so there is, there is that occurring and we've also got kind of, uh, the issue where whereby i think men have kind of lost the ability to uh, understand their emotions and their feelings and you know we we know that there's you know and i talk again i talk about this on the podcast quite a lot we know a lot of guys are getting into stoicism buddhism and a number of different ancient traditions and religions in order to kind of relearn a lot of the stuff that modern man has forgotten and then into this whole mix as well you've got kind of a large amount of social reconstructionists saying, well, actually you guys need to be like this. This is the way we see the world being right now. So men need to be this, 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 and this. And you've got the average dad and the average man going, hang on a minute. The world's different to what my dad grew up in. Uh, but those guys are telling me that I should be this. Um, I want to be this, but I'm actually not too sure what I want to be. And then, and then everyone's going, well, why are all these men committing suicide? Well, to pardon my French, no shit, Sherlock. Why do you think they're committing suicide? Because they've got yeah. a ton of information coming at them from all angles. The world is, for, for men and dads has changed drastically, very, very quickly. And it's mind-blowing for most guys. So it's kind of like it's kind of like putting a, uh, I don't know, an iOS 14 operating system in a 19, in a, I don't know, a, One of those big a, brick phones that they yeah, have to hold with two yeah, hands to your ear. Yeah, it's like trying to put them into like a you know a first edition 1980s yuppie brick phone. You know, it's just not going to kind of. But and then, but then society's wondering, well, why are guys in a quandary and why are, why are guys pissed off at being you know labelled as you know toxic and stuff and that. Well, maybe it's because we're like, actually, what the what did anyone ask us what we want to do or what we want to be? So. It's an interesting time right now. Very interesting time, Jack. Yeah. Well, and that's the paradox. I mean, we're talking about looking at the man in the mirror. We're talking about, you know, we talked earlier about how do you look at that man in the mirror? First of all, if you're avoiding looking at that man in the mirror altogether. Second of all, when you do look, are you doing it? Is it done out of fear? Is it done with empathy, with, you know, with tolerance for your own self and all these things? Well, the problem is all these different angles that you're speaking about, they deliver one message. The way I've experienced those angles, the message they deliver is, well, I guess there's two. One, 
Joe, you're doing it wrong. And two, Joe, you're not enough. And both of those suck. And there's nothing good that comes from either one of those messages. And really at the core of it is that we're being told you don't get to decide who you are. Mm -hmm. You don't get to decide who you want to be. We've decided what the ideal man is. We've decided how men should experience emotions. We've decided how, and me, the we I'm speaking to here is the proverbial social reconstruction, the infamous they, you know, and it's, um, we've decided what it's okay and not okay for how you communicate with your kids. We've decided what toxic masculinity is, what a real man is. Frankly, none of that matters because there's only one man in the mirror that I see. And so the question is for, for you, for me, for, for each of us, when I look in that mirror, who do I want to see looking back? So let's, let's just give everybody permission, right? Everybody within the sound of Joe and I's voice right now, you have permission to choose who it is that you want to be. You're allowed to decide what being a man means to you. I, I tell you, this actually reminds me of um, kind of a breakthrough moment for me when I was going through going through trying to figure out how do I be a dad and, and trying to figure out all, all these different things. And um, one a great example I got from my own father, one of the hardest working men I've ever met. And I know a, a lot of guys say that about their dads. My dad was one of the most hardest working men I, I've ever met, 60 to eight hours a week, pouring himself into tr- being a provider. Well, what that meant to me then, how I grew up interpreting being a provider was the the strictly a financial perspective, to put it the most bluntly. But it was, how well am I providing food on the table, clothes to wear, roof over the head? That's what being a provider is. And man, at, at the time, there were some financial hiccups based on some less than wise choices that I'd made. And so my definition of provider, well... I wasn't, I did, it wasn't an eight figure business yet. I wasn't the entrepreneur I was determined to be yet. And that meant I was a failure as a provider. That meant I wasn't enough as a provider because of this faulty definition that I created. I remember being asked by somebody at, at a, a, during like a group workshop. So, well, Joe, if you don't like that definition of being, of what it means to be a provider, what definition do you like? I said, well, there's a lot. I mean, I want to be able to provide, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to be able to provide safety for my kids. I want them to feel safe emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and and with finances. And I want to be able to do this and I want to provide there. I want to, I want to be a dad that's at the games that lets my kid, my kid knows that, hey, that client can wait. I want to be the dad that turns his phone off when he gets home from work and says, my time is here now with my family. I'm present. That's I want to provide all of those things, all of those ideas, those lessons for my kids. I said, well, then why don't you define that as being a provider? <laughs> no, that, that's great. That's great dad stuff, right? But that's not what a provider means. A provider means the food on the table, the clothes we're wearing, the car we drive. Why? Why, Joe? Mm. And so it was just kind of this, and then I was just silent. 
I'm sure you can't imagine me being silent, but I was. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and when I redefined what being a provider meant, that was kind of, I, I think that was another breakthrough moment hmm. because then I realized if I don't have to live by that definition, uh, a, a definition I created based on what I thought others wanted for me or what I guessed that they defined it as, man, that meant I could rewrite a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. That meant I could redefine who I wanted to be as a dad, mm. what it means to be a dad. Yeah, it's, and I think this is a stage that a lot of guys and particularly dads get to. And I think, again, a few things kind of collide here in my experience, and that is that so when we settle down and we have kids and we we have this kind of life picture, it's you know generally for for most for most guys it's get a good job, get a house, uh, get a reasonable car, go on holidays, um, have a reasonable standard of living, and that's kind of that's where your kind of happily ever after vision goes. Problem is, mm. I think for a lot of men is that they get to that point, and all of a sudden they think actually. All of that stuff that I thought was going to make me feel really good inside, and I feel totally empty. There's nothing there. I love spending time with my kids and I love spending time with my wife, but the meaning has gone from my life because it's almost like the kind of happily ever after bit that after you have kids and you settle down or whatever, it almost like falls off a cliff. And because there's yeah. like this stopgap between having kids and getting married and then retiring maybe 30 years later or whatever. So there's this kind of like no man's land. There's this like no man's land sitting there. And, and, and I think that, I think that causes guys a lot of issues. And we spoke before we came on, came on air about how the, how the working environment has changed. I mean, I started work, I think in 1997 and I said to you before we came on with the, you know, these, this was in the days where you, people still had lunch breaks. Remember those things? People had lunch breaks in offices and <laughs> they'd go to the pub on a Friday at lunchtime. And for people that worked in the financial district, they would uh, probably go to the pub and not come back from the pub. Now, in a lot of places now, if you did that, you would probably end up with like a, a warning from your boss or whatever. But the pace, the, the, the pace of work for... I'm not going to just say men and dads because it's for everyone. The pace and at which work now takes place and also the stresses and expectations of being available 24-7, I think has taken its toll on our generation. And you know, I, I remember being I remember being at a, a family gathering on a Saturday night. This is probably 20 years ago, and my brother-in-law at the time, he you know, he said, oh, I've got to go out to make a phone call. And I was like, why is that? He said, because the trading starts in New York at this time and I've got to give over some passcodes and that. And I was like, can't, I said to him, can't someone else do that? Why do you have to do that on a Saturday night? And he said, like, oh, I've just got to, because, uh, and he later said to me, well, if I don't do it, you know, their attitude is there's four or five guys that are willing to take my place if I, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that kind of culture, I think, has really pervaded our generation. And I, I don't know whether or not, the pandemic may create a bit of a reset with that. I think it is beginning to, I think it will, because of people working from home, I think it's had to create a reset. Whether that legacy will carry on in the next five to 10 years remains to be seen. But 
we, we're still in this place where, you know, lunch is for wimps. And if, you know, if you're not making massive sacrifices, allowing your work to ring you out of hours, email you out of hours, and goodness knows whatever else, then you're not a man. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a bizarre world, world our generation's got into in terms of work because it should be getting better, but it's not in a lot of cases, I don't think. Yeah, and it's this definition that's being created by by somebody else, you know, uh, again, to that point. I love that. By the way, I love that you're bringing up the happily every after and the no man's land because that reminds me you did a a bite-sized episode on your on your show that I just thought was amazing and it spoke exactly to that and how do you get through that no man no man's land so if if anybody hasn't listened to that they need to because that that was awesome um but they're going to your point about about the office and the culture changing there's a couple thoughts that came up if i'm learning at work that i'm replaceable and i have this feeling of being replaceable won't that translate to well, the, what we learn in one place bleeds into other areas of, of life. I can't f- spend my time at work feeling like I need to be constantly chasing the carrot to prove to, to, to please don't replace me because I'm worried about being replaced and have that not translate into how I interact at home. Mm-hmm. Or maybe often what happens is, um, you know, I used to joke, I, so family of five, and I was the second to youngest and, you know, the oldest picked on the second and the second picked on the third and the third picked on me and I picked on the youngest and the youngest picked on the dog, right? You know, that's just kind of <laughs> how it went down. Like in order. Yeah, exactly. Well, so what happens when I'm, when I'm little guy at work and then I come home and I'm the man of my house, if, if I'm not in the right place, if I don't like, and, and just to give away some of the things that you talked about with in that bite-sized episode, if I don't have a plan or I know you've got your blueprint that you offer, which is awesome. If I don't have that blueprint, then, and I'm just reacting, the natural next step is to create a pecking order in my home. And that's not who I, I, I will not be that as a father. I will not be that as a husband. I know that's what leads to man-sized tantrums and kicking in cupboards and losing the most important person in my life and having her headed to the door, walk out the door. Mm. I can't afford to be that, Mm. which means I have to have, whether it's your blueprint, whether it's my 3D family framework, there must be something Mm. to help us work through that and be prepared for it. Yeah. Gents, I'm going to jump in here quite quickly. Now, if you're a regular listener, you may or may not know that this year I formed an exclusive brotherhood of dads called the Dad Circle. And some of the men who have joined are making some remarkable changes to their lives, their physical health, mental health, and relationships, accomplishing things that they didn't think were possible for them before joining. As a member, you get access to a proven system of self-improvement daily accountability check-ins to keep you on track and weekly team calls, monthly topics and challenges. Not to mention a bunch of other dads encouraging you and cheering you along the way. Now, if this sounds like something that you would benefit from and you want to check it out, then you can do so over at www.thedadcircle.com forward slash join. That's thedadcircle.com forward slash join. If you're driving right now or doing something, 
do a pause, rewind a few seconds and jot the link down. Then go and check it out. If that wasn't enough, right now you can try it out for one pound. That's just one pound for your first seven days. I can't say fairer than that. One pound could be the best investment you ever make. So try it out today. And one thing that I think that often comes up and is, and I've speak, spoken to kind of family therapists about this, and it's it's kind of become a dirty word in relationships and marriage, but I, I, I can affirmatively say that of all of the people that are kind of commentating on kind of dad's issues, if you like, leadership is the one thing that comes up the kind of time and time again. And it's become a kind of, it's unnecessarily become a dirty word. And again, I think it's because it's your sexist. Po- yeah. You can't sexist. be the leader of your home as a man. That's sexist. sexist. It's oppressive. It's um, so, and and again, it's a prime example of, you know, we talked about uh, tolerance and cowardice. It's, it's a prime example of how the kind of English language, the meaning, the actual literal meanings of words within the English language are being kind of bastardized at the moment mm. to, to kind of fit, to kind of fit a narrative because when you think about leadership, we are all leading and following somebody at some point. It's like when people say, oh, I don't like salesmen. We are all salespeople. Everyone's a salesperson. We're all selling someone on an idea, you know, every single day of the year, whether it's selling your wife on the idea of where you're going to go on holiday next year, or whether it's um, selling your kids on why they should eat, I don't know, fish instead of burgers for dinner. You're a sal- you're, we are all salesmen. So, but leadership i think has got a dirty name has has got negative connotations but like again with leadership you go out with a group of your buddies uh i don't know you're going for you're you're going going out for a meal or you're going to a bar you know there will be you can guarantee as you walk through the the doors of the bar or the restaurant a few will be hanging back one of you is going to stand and open the door of the uh, restaurant walk in and say to the um, HD, uh, can I have a table for six or can I have a table for 10 or whatever it's going to be. Now, you're not oppressing all your mates that have come behind you <laughs> through the door, but you have led through the door, okay, because somebody's got to leave. And the same when you sit down and you have a, have a, you know, have a menu, what are we going to do? Are we all going to get separate starters or should we just get a mixture and we'll all share together? I'll tell you what, we'll get a mixture and we'll all share together. That's not oppressing your mates, your friends. How dare you, that's just, Joe? How that's, dare you? <laughs> that's just making a decision. But I think in relationships, I think it's become uh, leadership has become a dirty, kind of a bit of a dirty word. But you have to have some form of kind of. I love uh, one of the guests I previously had on, Athol Kay, describes it as the captain and first officer, and it, and and he and he said you have to have a captain of the ship running the ship. And it said it may well be that when the captain's sleeping, the first officer needs to take over the helm of the ship and steer it, and then the captain comes back and whatever. But you have to have, you have to have some kind of structure. And and I just wondered what your I've ranted for a little bit on this, but I know as uh, as you're applying business principles to marriages and, and being a dad, I'm sure you've got something to say on the whole aspect of leadership, Jack. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Well. You know, you. Um, I, I know you. You brought up stoicism earlier, and I've heard you talk about it on other shows and, and things. And um, Marcus Aurelius, like, there's a leader, 
But so maybe the reason leadership has become taboo as it's applied to men in homes is because we're we're lacking good examples of leaders. Mm. Was it did was it did you say it was your brother who had to call in the codes or whatever for the my brother-in-law at the time, yeah. Brother-in-law, okay, brother-in-law at the time. Who the people that were in charge, those were not good leaders. They no, no, let me let me rephrase that. They were not leaders, period. They were taskmasters. They were cracking a whip saying, do this or else. Now, if that's your idea of leadership and you're doing that in your home and you're cracking the whip to your, your wife and to your kids saying, do this or else, then that should be taboo. That is taboo as far as I'm concerned, because that's not being a leader. But you've got, I mean, I, I can see Winston Churchill behind you. And, you know, you think of these other individuals that real leaders, leaders that inspire, leaders that motivate, leaders that seek to understand. That's that's what we need. So if you want to talk about leadership, and and I love that you brought up the, the business principles because, yeah, that's totally my jam. And and this is where, you know, I talked earlier, where do we get the model? How do we follow this? How do we figure it out? You know what? You've been doing it for years. You've been doing it for years. If you're a good employee, if you're good at your job, you've got the model that you need. You just need help translating that to, to what does you do. And you, you know, I've got stuff for your, your listeners. They can go to forwardwithjoe.com slash guild of dads. They can get more info on that. But really what it is, is, as we're looking at it, is that think of good leaders. What did those leaders do? How did they act? Did they lead by, by compelling others? Or did they lead by example? Did they lead with, a, with an iron fist? Or did they lead with compassion? Did they lead with understanding? Did they lead from afar? And throw things at you, not really understanding what was going on. I mean, I I just had this analogy of like, could you imagine a chef creating some kind of meal and he's in the other side of the kitchen and he's like, he's throwing, oh, let's throw some garlic at it. Just like, no, that'd be terrible. Nobody wants to eat that. Yeah, it looks like it's done from here. You're going to get food poisoning. No, thank you. You need to be in there and involved and tasting what's going on and experiencing what's going on. And you can only do that as a dad if you're present with your family. You can't do in that if you're, whether you're calling from the pub every night or whether you're calling from the office because you're working late and you're telling your kids goodnight over the phone. And remember, you need to listen to your mom. You know, like you can't call that in. That's not being a leader. So if leadership has become toxic, a, a, a taboo term for men to be leaders of their home, then it's because we don't know or we have forgotten what it means to be a real leader. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is it's to your point recording from the pub, it's that whole notion of kind of abdicating responsibility. And again, Mm -hmm. it circles back to what we said at the beginning about kind of running away. It's it's running away from your kind of responsibility, your, your being present. Uh, One of the things I say that, that kids want your presence, not your presence meaning they want your presence, yeah. not for you to give them presence. They want you there, mentally there, and actually uh, looking into the whites of their eyes and 
listening to what they're saying and and fully aware of what you're asking them what they what they're telling you and inquiring and being curious about it and this comes to, this comes back to the aspect of kind of uh of, of of deep deep listening skills and conscious listening skills which which um are kind of one of the kind of bedrocks of a good relationship i i, I had a guest on some episodes back oscar, oscar trimboli and he recounted you know he's a deep listening expert and he recounted a story where he'd been working with a gentleman on his listening skills and uh and after a few months this guy's wife said right okay we need to have a talk um uh who is it and he was like well, what do you mean who is it and she's like well, who is it i know you're having an affair just be honest with me and tell me tell me who is it? it's just and 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 um and and then it will be less of a sort of shock and whatever and he's like, darling, I'm not having an affair. Um, I've been working with this guy, Oscar, uh, uh, on my listening skills, you know, and, to, you know, to not to put too fine a point on it, relationships in the be- in the bedroom had been better than they'd been for years and years before. So whenever someone says to me, well, uh, <laughs> I want to improve my relationship, my advice is go and work on your deep listening skills because that is going to be 100 times more powerful than any Viagra is, <laughs> will be for your relationship. That is for sure. Absolutely. Well, and and I love that because that's that's something real tangible that we can all start applying. You know, as soon as we're done listening to the show, we can all start applying that into our relationships. And so I want to make sure that I, I, that I'm providing real tangible things that the the amazing audience of Guild of Dads can do can apply as soon as they get off the episode and and really what you brought up it, it's funny because you talked about like oh well that goes back to what we talked at, at the beginning you know I I hope everybody can see the patterns and and the ultimate pattern is that when we focus on the principle behind the experience that's what we need to be able to translate it to other areas of our life, to see and to find the patterns. The truth is I'm not always going to see those things. The truth is, is that, you know, I've got for those on YouTube, I've got my water bottle here and there's a label on the other side that you can't see. There's a, there's a name, there's something that you can't see on the water bottle I'm holding up. I can see it. And so if, if you need to know what it is, I can share that with you. We can't always just turn it around and show what it is. And there's a promo for Thermo Flask, apparently. But uh, we, we can't just always turn it around and show it. we need help. We need support. And that's why, uh, you know, the work that I'm doing, the work that you're doing to be able to, to show these things to, to men to help open those doors is, is powerful. So some specific action steps. How do we get to that principle? How do, how do I become a better listener at home? How do I become a better listener to my kids when I don't know who the latest boy band is, or, or I don't understand what my son is saying about dinosaurs. And I feel like I'm just going, yeah, cool. The whole time. Yeah, How I long don't is get that Minecraft? Per- I'm never going to get Minecraft. Today. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have boundaries, have those boundaries, Joe. <laughs> and, uh, and really what we do is we go, okay. And, and going back to my jam, my jam is business. I understand business. My, you know, the, the years in schooling, my master's, the building a business from, from scratch and eight figures, all that, yada, yada business made sense. So this turning point for me is during the eight years, eight plus years, I was doing all the, all these workshops and anything I get my hands on to figure out how to be a better dad. 
is the, some of these guys were, they were ticking me off because they just weren't getting it. And I was like, you were complaining about the same thing like a month ago and three months before that and six months before that. Of course, I instantly got everything right. I got it all right the first time, of course. No, I didn't. Not even close. <laughs> um, but the, I was getting ticked off. And so finally, I would just start talking to these guys and I'd say, hey, and I'd, st- I'd compare it to sports or I'd compare it to uh, most of them were other businessmen struggling. For some reason, a lot of dentists. I don't know if there's something about that field, but um, and, and I'd start talking in terms of business. Well, what do you do when a client comes in and they're upset? You know, do you put your hand up and go, wait, I need to finish my game of solitaire or wait for a commercial. You don't do that to a client in business. So why are you doing that at your home? The, what is it? What do you do when a client comes in and they're upset and they're frustrated or they're venting something? You give them the attention that they're looking for. You listen to what's going on. How do you listen? Do, do you have your phone on hand? No, you don't. So really what you can do is, is you say, well, I don't know how to be a good listener at my home. Okay. Are you a good listener at work? Then what is it that you do at work? How are you a good listener with your client and now do the same things at home? And I promise you, you're going to notice a difference. I promise you, you're going to see the change. And what happens here, a lot of us feel like, but Joe, I've been, I've been, I haven't been a good husband for too long and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Maybe I'm in that no man's land that you talked about with the happily ever after. Maybe I'm in that transition. The kids are leaving the house and I don't really know how to communicate with my wife. And maybe it's just too late. How long have you been doing business for? You know, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, he talks about 10,000 hours of experience to be an expert at something. Have you put in the 10,000 hours of experience in learning how to be a good listener as a husband? Well, no, probably not as a husband, but you do it every day at the office. You do it with your employees that they're frustrated or employees that maybe they're slacking on their job. Maybe they're not doing what they're supposed to. Do you go in and crack the whip and tell them that if they don't figure it out, they're grounded? No. Well, not if you're a good leader. You go in and you talk with them. What's going on? How, you know, where are you at right now? Tell me what's going on. I noticed there's some, we're struggling here a little bit. What can I do to support you in that? You have that conversation, see where they're at, see what's going on. What if you did the same thing with your kids? What kind of change could that have for your family if you gave them that kind of attention when they're struggling? Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of dads as well, one of the things that dads would often say is, my wife really micromanages me when I'm at home. And uh, it's so frustrating. Does she, doesn't she know that I, that, that I manage a team of X amount of staff at my work and that I have to... Um, hit targets and do this and do that and have to plan my day and whatever. And uh, one of the things that, you know, sometimes sometimes is kind of quite amusing in our relationship is, uh, is, 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 is when I'm being kind of managed sometimes and I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this because I, I've never managed anything like this at work. I say that kind of quite tongue in cheek, but <laughs> But it underlines a point that, to, to your point that you, we we're learning these skills at work, and we and intuitively we know them at work. Um, and one of the things I like about that I've learned in particular interactions with my wife is that you don't always have to fix everything. Sometimes they just want you mm. to listen, and it's exactly the same. You know, I've had customers ring up before 
who have been kind of irate about something, not necessarily irate about something that we've done. It could be something that's not gone to plan or they're having a panic about something and you just sit and you kind of listen and you wait till they've said what they need to say. And then often they'll get to the end of the phone call and they'll kind of be like, I actually don't need you to do anything. Um, oh, but it's been such a help just talking to you about it because it's just such a frustrating day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly absolutely. the same as your wife, like absolutely. Well, it, it reminded me of um, man, I can't remember what book it was out of, but it was talking about different companies that were they were struggling because the previous managers that they'd come in, big equipment, big production companies, and the previous manager comes in and they do they put the quick fix band-aid on it. And they do the quick fix and, and you know what, we need to ramp up production. So we're not going to put in the safety measures to make sure that our current machinery is, is being properly treated. And then what happened when the next person came in, that guy got a promotion was, was a sought after by another company because, wow, you improved production by so much. So he's pulled out, he goes to another company and the new guy comes in and there were only band-aids. And so now because production was ramped up so much, machines are falling apart. And then machine the production plummets and it makes the first guy look like a hero. But all he did was put on band-aids. And it, you talked about as uh, it was your episode with um, Chris Michaels. Hmm. And you talked about men's need or nature to fix things. And as I was listening to you talk about that, I really began to think about how do we fix something? We can only fix what we understand. I don't understand how a watch works. So if you give me your watch, whether it's an Apple watch or an old school watch, either way, I'm going to be useless with it. I'm going to have to, until I really hone in and put in the time and effort to understand how all the cogs go together, how everything moves in balance and rhythm to to have the watch function like it does, I'm not going to be able to fix it. But if I go, oh, Joe. You just need a new band-aid or, oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to do, we just need to charge it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix it. I'm a man. Then I'm not really doing anything. I'm putting a band-aid. I'm that dude that mucked up that production plant because I wanted to look like I was in charge. I wanted to look like I knew what I was doing. And really all I did was, was created worse problems down the road. And really who suffered most in, in the, with that business example, the employees of the production and with our families, that's our kids. Mm. we can't put a band-aid on our marriage we yeah. can't put a band-aid on our parenting it's a pride thing as well isn't it i'll never forget my first job and my boss used to say to me no one expects you to know the answer to everything he said but it's perfectly acceptable to say i don't know the answer but i'm going to go and find out and then i'll come back to you yeah and the problem is is not everyone's first bosses have had that conversation with them so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what you find a lot these days is people BS you. And it's and the prime example of that is when you go into, I don't know, when you go into a shop and someone says, the typical one is the, the lackadaisical shop assistant. And you say, have you got any more of these? There's not any more on the shelf. Oh, we're out of stock of those because they can't be bothered to go to the back of the shop to yeah. check in the storeroom to, to, to check that there's, that there's, that there's none there. Oh, we've not got any of those. Can you check for me? And then they sort of go off and then, uh, they come back. Oh, I found one. There was one in the stock room, sort of thing, and uh, and it, and it's that kind of it's that pride thing where actually um, uh, I don't always know the answer to stuff, but 
leave it with me. Um, I'll, I'll go and find the answer. But it's that it's getting over that pride and egotistical part of our human nature uh, yeah. that we don't have, always have the answers. We don't always have the answers, but sometimes we can find the answers out. Did you assume growing up that your dad had all the answers? When you're a little boy, when you're that little boy with the blanket cape looking in the mirror and I want to be just like dad. Yeah, I think I, I did. And I think, and I think that is a veneer that comes off as you get older and as you, as you become an adult and you see your parents as adults. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, you begin to see that your that your uh, that your dad isn't that big, strong character that you thought he was, that he is infallible, that he does lose his temper, that he has made mistakes. And all of a sudden, that kind of veneer that you have, that childlike veneer you have of your, not just your dad, but also your mum as well in some respects, that childlike veneer begins to kind of um, trickle away. And yeah. you don't, it's not necessarily that you think any worse of them but the way you see them changes and, and what's interesting uh, for, (laughs) for, for kind of people of my age, whose parents are getting into their seventies, maybe even eighties now, it, it kind of goes full circle in the sense that, you know, and people will be able to relate to this when you're going out with grandparents is that you say to your kids, Right. Have you been to the toilet? And then you turn to the parents and you say, right, have you been to the toilet? And have you got your glasses? And have you got your handbag? And have you got your reading glasses so you can read the menu at the restaurant? (laughs) I thought you were going to go in a totally different direction talking about that going for full circle. I was... So here's what I was thinking about. For I love that, by the way. Here's what I was thinking about with the going full circle is, is that as kids, we see our parents as heroes. And then as we get older, we start to recognize all their shortcomings. Yeah. And then we become parents ourselves and realize how incredibly hard it is. And then we wonder how our parents ever survived <laughs> dealing with us. And so suddenly they become heroes again. That's where I thought you were going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Which, actually, but they're both true. They're both or, true. <laughs> or actually, when you've been, or actually, when you've been waiting outside for 10 minutes while they faff around getting all the stuff that they've got to take with them when they're in there. 60s, 70s, and 80s, you're like, how the hell did you get out of bed in the morning? How did you get us up and get us to school? You can't even look after yourself now. What's the matter with you? <laughs> and I mean that, I mean that, um, I mean that in a warm way. I don't mean that in a horrible way. But yeah, it's, you you do kind of like sometimes think, how the hell did you how the hell did you run a business for Christ's sake? You can't even tie your shoelaces. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. And so you said something that maybe start the, and thinking about something. I haven't fully fleshed this out. So maybe you can help me out with this, but so you, this idea of, um, okay. So I wonder if sometimes the reason we have pride or we have ego, the reason we don't want to say, I don't know is because when I was a little boy and I look in the mirror and I see a superhero and I picture myself as I want to be a hero, like my dad was. Well, I don't if if I thought my dad had all the answers, or or maybe I get to a point I realize he didn't have all the answers, but there's still part of me that. But I want my kids to see me that way. I mm. want my kids to know that that's way. And I, I got to tell you, and again, going back to something we talked about earlier, that's not productive. If trying to portray myself as perfect 
to my kids is only going to create an onus of perfection on them or within them. And then when they make mistakes and then when they stumble, they're not going to have that bounceability that you talked about. But if I tell, if, you know, you, we, again, these are business principles. If we understand the principle, we can translate it across the principle that it's okay to not have the answer. As long as you're willing to look for the answer, the challenge is you can't, and you have to have that second part. Cause I can't go, well, Joe, it's okay that I don't know. By the way, I'll see you later. I'm leaving now. Like that, then we're not providing value. Mm. But if you say, I don't know, but I want to find out for you because I can tell that that's important to you. Mm. Yeah. Which goes back to marriage, which goes back to where I was in that argument with my wife, that, that bleeding foot moment. Mm. I didn't have the answer at the time. Mm. And it, everything between my wife and I didn't magically become perfect. Yeah. But I was willing to say, I don't know what I'm doing, mm. but I'm willing to find out. Yeah, and that's and, and that comes from a place of humility because and again, one of these things that I think that the, the trap that modern man has fallen into, uh, Ryan Mickler talks about this, is the lone wolf fallacy. And this mm. is the idea that, you know, it's the James Bond character, it's the Indiana Jones character, it's these um it's these superhero characters that are kind of all seeing, all knowing, all knowledgeable, and they can do everything themselves. And that's created a a problem because successful men and be that whatever uh, term you want to use as a measure for success, but successful men generally are not operating in isolation and you speak to special forces, they're operating in teams of four or five guys, same with your special forces, um, the same as uh, sports teams, Formula One teams, uh, baseball teams, basketball teams, any kind of team that they are, it's not just one guy. They're generally operating in teams where people bring different strengths to the team. And if for some reason, looking for help or asking for help is sign is has been seen as a sign of weakness. When in actual fact, it's a sign of strength, and it and it shows wisdom, shows knowledge. Um, it shows trust, it shows tact. Um, there's a there's a number of timeless virtues that looking for help or asking for help exhibit. And and I think they're all virtues that that we've really got to as guys and dads really kind of reconnect with. And this is where the whole tribal thing comes into comes yeah. to the fore because it's a it's a hardwired tribal trait, if you like, that modern man has forgotten how to do. Um, to our detriment and to our family's detriment because we get so it's like it's like when you're driving the car you don't know where you're going do you dear no no I do know where I'm going I, <laughs> I, I, I definitely know where I'm going why don't you look it up on your phone no 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 I don't need to look it up on Google Maps okay I know where I'm going I've been here before you're lost aren't you uh, yeah I, I am lost I don't know where I'm going Half an hour previously, you could have just looked it up on your Google Maps and been sure you knew where you were going. <laughs> you know, and the same holds true for life. Like there's, uh, you know, whether this first time people are listening to Gilded Dads or, you know, you've been listening to Joe since you first started, like I, it's whatever the time is that you decide to say, yes, I need directions. 
use it. Like it, it don't beat yourself up because you should have, uh, you know, you should have looked into that three months ago or 20 episodes ago or, or whatever, like where you are today is the right time to make the change that you need to change where you are today. If there's something that that's been discussed, that, that speaks to you, that makes sense that you'd go test and it works, use it momentum business. I, again, going into business, the, we've, we've got this, uh, you know, whether we're talking financial things with stocks or if we're talking about uh, just general brand recognition, there's always a curve where it's nothing, nothing, nothing. And then as you, but as you keep building momentum, suddenly things go parabolic. That's true in business. It's true with personal development. It's true with your marriage, with your kids. Things aren't going to be perfect this evening. They're not going to be perfect tomorrow morning but you continue taking action, the right action and and in the right order. And you do those things. And eventually that parabolic change will come. You'll get the confidence. You'll get the understanding. You'll, you'll, you'll know the things that your wife says when that, when she's micromanaging you, you, you'll recognize there's something going on with her. Maybe she had a fight with one of her girlfriends or maybe um, she ran into a, a hurdle. Maybe she stepped on the scale that morning and she hated the number that she saw, but you'll understand it's not about you. And instead of reacting like normal uh, and, and we react different ways, maybe we shut down like, oh, why well, it's micromanaging. Let me go ahead and turn this way now. Um, or, you know, we shut down by diving into work, spending more time at the gym, anything other than confronting what's going on. Well, you're going to have that moment where instead of turning away, instead of kicking back in the easy chair and putting your legs up and diving into something on your phone, you're going to get up and you're going to go talk to your wife and in total sincerity and, and, and total empathy. And in, in, um, in a way that you don't realize right now is possible for you to do. Mm. you're going to be able to talk to her and connect with her and say, what can I do to support you? And then that goes back to your Viagra comment, man, a few of those days. And before you know it, no blue (laughs) pill necessary. But I had an interesting conversation this week because we had one, we've had one of those weeks, as you know, because I had to cancel our initial appointment because my wife had a migraine yesterday. And, and so this was a kind of commutative thing. So my, my eldest daughter had a temperature on Sunday, which meant that on Monday we had to keep her off school and get a test. Uh, over here, you have to get a lateral flow test and then do the piece, PCR test or whatever it is. Mm, yeah. um, the long and short of it is though, the kids had to be off school until we get a negative test back. So we have to do go through all that rigmarole. Um, and, then, and then my wife, uh, she has a migraine yesterday. So, and, and... I'm off work for a few days, so I'm kind of so I'm trying to desperately do all the stuff I need to do before uh, you you're off for a few days. As you know, that's always fun and games because out of the woodwork at four thirty, everyone wants a piece of you. So, <laughs> so this morning, this morning uh, she 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 works sort of part time, so she's not in work this morning. And 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 I walk into the next room from here, and. And I can see that she's not quite right. So I sort of said, so I said, look, you know, um, she said, I've got to do this, 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 and this today. And I'm like, no, you don't have to do this, 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 and this today. She's like, well, I do have to do this, 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 this. So. <laughs> um, and so I was like, look, we're going to be going away at the weekend. Okay. 
you the kids have been the uh, my oldest has not been well she had a fever you've had a migraine yesterday your body is giving you warning signs that you need to back the hell up and and, and just back off okay so your body's telling you this now i'm telling you this you need to back off because you need to slow down and you need to chill out a little bit because we're going to be going away at the weekend um and if you don't back off the chances are you might have another migraine over the weekend which is going to be another warning sign that you need to back off i said so give yourself a break take it easy today don't do do a couple of bits but don't do all the stuff you need to do but it's like you say it's it's having that intuition to know when something's not right and to actually be saying right okay um on that occasion i didn't need to listen and i and i wasn't actually telling i was suggesting so i was kind of suggesting that you might want to consider that you need to back off a little bit at the moment um and that's what she did and she's recovered today she's been feeling a lot better she's taken her micro relief tablets and whatever and but it, it's we don't i'm going to be the first one to say joe that i don't get it right 100 percent of the time sometimes i do sometimes i don't it's a constant you know work in progress i remember speaking to robert glover before and he said you know i've been through three marriages or whatever and i still don't get it <laughs> uh, so it's constantly work in progress but it's, it's tuning into this intuitive almost spiritual kind of connection that you've got to be able to notice when stuff's not kind of quite right and say right i'm not going to bulldozer in here like a bulldog and just say right you must do this but i'm going to suggest to you sweetie that maybe you do this at the moment <laughs> uh, and it comes it, we talked about understanding we we can't fix things that we don't understand. If you don't understand where your wife was at or what was going on, what you understood in that moment to be able to get it right that time. Uh, and, and again, we don't always get it right. You're never going to always get it right. Um, I, reminds me of something else, but uh, that's, that's another rabbit hole, imposter syndrome and, and things like that. But uh, just sticking to what we're talking about now with you're able to get it right that time because you understood what was going on and you understood what was going on because you'd put in the effort to learn. You'd put in the effort to discover those things. I think a lot of times we feel like we don't have the time to do that. I don't have time to learn. How can I do that? And that's why I find that translating business principles is so powerful because I can take something that I already know works, that I, I know I'm good at, and I can take those things and then go, oh, yeah, I am really good at uh, talking to disgruntled clients and helping them helping them flip around to where they're back to being a raving fan of, of our company. I'm, I am really good at that. Okay, so what am I doing there? And since I know I'm good at that, then eventually I can figure that out with my family. I just figure out, I need to figure out the principle and how to translate that. And so, and, and there's there's a place to start. There's a foundation to start. You know, you started with the foundation with your family and the things that you're doing, and you built on that foundation in the proper order to get to a point where you were able to say in a in a non-suppressive manner to, to suggest to your wife that, you know, hey, we've seen these patterns before. This is what we've seen. This is what we know comes from it. Here's what I think would be a good choice. 
But we've got to start with that foundation and, and build on that. And if we use principles from areas we're already successful and we already succeed at, like business, and it just ramps up that learning curve so much faster. I love it. We've covered a massive amount, Joe, and it's been a fantastic uh, discussion that we've had this evening. Uh, and uh, I like uh, I like it when we kind of, when stuff, I like analogies, I like metaphors, I like it when it goes organic <laughs> and I like, and I love it when there is kind of a crossover between all these different things that we're talking about. And um, if people that are listening or watching want to find out a bit more about you, what is the best way for them to do so, sir? Best way, um, I've got a webpage set up special for your listeners. There's going to be things there just for your listeners. It's going to be forwardwithjoe.com slash guild of dads. Okay. They go there. There's going to be three different options, just kind of depending on where they're at and what they're interested in. Um, they can just get on the newsletter where they can get specific tips or principles. We're breaking down certain principles. There's a training video that there's lies that bombard us as dads. And it's crushing our confidence at home. And it, it, it's causing us to run away. It's causing us to, to not be the dads we need to be. And that video covers some of those lies and just crushes them for you. So you can get rid of that. Um, or for those that that realize, you know what? Hey, this is great. Business makes sense to me. I'm ready to translate that. Go ahead and schedule a one-on-one coaching, a one-on-one call with me and a free, uh, we'll do a free call for your listeners. They can jump on there. But again, that's forward with Joe dot com slash guild of dads all right excellent and what i'll do is i'll link that up in the show notes as well so if you're listening to this you'll be able to find that uh underneath the show notes uh so it'll be in uh apple Podcasts or spotify or whatever play you're listening to it on um one last question i don't prime any of my guests uh for oh, but you've done a sneaky and actually <laughs> listened to some of my podcasts so you 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 you, you might know what's coming Joe, what is it in life that gives you meaning? You know, that's such a good question. And, and I've heard some answers that others haven't given. And, and um, you know, it, it's funny because I think it fluctuates. I think it depends on where I'm at and what I'm doing. So the answer I'm going to give right now may not have been the answer I would have given a couple hours ago or, or a couple weeks ago, but what gives me meaning is what I choose to be present with. And right now, this conversation with you, Joe, this is giving me meaning. Uh, I'm, I really am honored to be on here. You have phenomenal guests on your show and to be numbered among them is, is a privilege. Um, to be able to speak to your listeners in a way that may touch their lives and help them to improve as fathers and wives, that gives me meaning. And when we're off here and and I take my my blazer off and I go have lunch with my kids and my wife and I'm present with them, that will give me meaning. So yeah, that's my answer. Excellent. What I'm I, present with. I love it. I love it. And it and it really does ring true with a lot of uh what I talk about in terms of presence as well. So I do like that a lot. Joe, it's been a fab fabulous conversation. Um, I'm glad you came on to speak to me. And we got a ton of value out to today's discussion. So I thank you for that, sir. And with that, I'm going to wish you on your merry way. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Cheers, man. Take care. A big thanks to Joe for joining me. If you want to check him out, he's on Instagram and Facebook at the Joe Pomeroy. His book, How to Succeed as a Married Entrepreneur, is on Amazon. 
and you can check out his podcast, Forward with Joe Pomeroy. Now, Joe's made up a special resources page, as he mentioned. It's over at www.forwardwithjoe.com forward slash Guild of Dads. That's forwardwithjoe.com forward slash Guild of Dads. Now, if anything resonated from this episode, by all means link up with myself or Joe over on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your input on some of the points that we discussed in this conversation. There's also a video of this interview over on the Guild of Dads YouTube channel, and you can link up with me over on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook using the handle at Guild of Dads. I'm teaching you how to follow a simple system and plan, just like many of my guests, in order to transform all areas of your life so that you can live more purposefully with much greater fulfillment and meaning, at the same time as becoming the man and dad you always wanted to be. It's all in my ebook, The Dad Blueprint. You can grab it over at guildofdads.com forward slash dad. That's in capital letters, dad. In order to have a positive impact on the world, we improve ourselves and inspire others. And the fee for this show is that you share it with others so that they may benefit from anything you find useful or interesting. If you know someone who's a dad who could do with improving their relationship, could do with a life rethink or different perspective, share this episode with them. And the best bit, you don't have to tell them why you're sharing it with them, but it could be just what they need to hear. Now, if you dig what I'm doing and you enjoy the conversations that we have, please, please leave a review and rating over on uh, Apple Podcasts. It really helps the visibility of the show and for people to discover it. Guild of Dads is growing. We have growing listener numbers and guys joining the Facebook. So I want to thank you guys for your continued support. And we have fascinating discussions over on the Facebook and uh, certainly some uh, some interesting topics raised over there. So if you're interested, join the Facebook group, get involved, and uh, hopefully you find something insightful in every episode. So share with Dad you know. In the meantime, live a life of vision, action, and meaning. Apply what you hear. And we'll see you next time.